0: Hello and welcome to Acts of Grace Church. My name is Carrie Wetzel and I'm the pastor here at Acts of Grace. The title of today's sermon is Pray for Our Schools. This is a sermon that I presented on September 3rd of 2023 and we're going to open with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your love, guidance, and grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for sustaining us from day to day. Lord, we ask that you would protect Israel and all of her people from these terrorist attacks that have killed so many. We pray, Lord God, your blessings upon them, your um, provision, your protection, and Lord, we ask that you would keep them safe from harm. Lord, we thank you for your abundant provision. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us always. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and lead me through this message. Watch over us. Lord, protect us. I pray that you would bless Acts of Grace Church with your favor and your blessings in abundance as we go into the next season for our congregation and our church. Lord, let every word from my mouth be ordained by You. And if I should even attempt to speak anything that You do not want me to speak, Lord, put a watch over my my mouth lest I sin against You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm bringing you a little history lesson on our Department of Education and the history of education in this country. And I I know some of you are going, Oh no, she's going to start talking about history and that's boring. It's not boring if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're listening and understanding what is going on and where we're going from, from our history. Because as Winston Churchill said, if we do not learn from our history, we are doomed to repeat it. Now, if we've learned anything, it is that we must have righteous leaders in this country. When we don't have righteous leaders in our country, we end up with porn in our schools, in our libraries, and our boys and our girls get indoctrinated with gender confusion and parental rights are taken away. Here in North Carolina, we have a group that's called the Mama Bears, and they have this manual that I was reading through and looking at, and this is what it says. Unfortunately, progressive activists have targeted schools as a primary conduit of social change. After all, children represent our future. The values that are instilled in them will become the culture that shapes tomorrow. This is one of the, the seven mountains that I talked about last week. The mountain of education educates our children to go out into the other mountains of business, media, media. Um, journalism, uh, government, and other areas, other arenas, and they become the next generation. I want so intently for us to have righteous leaders and for our children to be taught God's principles, for the Lord to be center in our schools and in our government. Our first president, George Washington, said, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on mind's reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. Basically what he was saying was that to lose religious or biblical principles is to lose national morality and it's never been truer than it is today back in the mid-1990s wall builders founder david barton took the following statistics to his senators and those senators took it to the department of education here's the information that he that he gave them from 1951 to 1962 during an 11-year period where this these statistics were came were, were coming from birth rates among unwed high school girls remained virtually the same over time. That means that they were per, that it was like a flat line and it was and they remained low. So they remained the same over time over an 11 year period and they remained very low. But an increase at a staggering rate began in 1963 to 1964, often doubling every year up to 553 percent over a 20-year period. So what happened in 1962 1963 for this change to occur? That would have been the removal of religious principles and prayer was taken out of our schools. They took the Ten Commandments out of our schools. They took, uh, actually, in, in prior to uh, the 1940s, some schools were using the Bible to teach children how to read. So they're getting the they were getting these Bible stories in them. They had the 10 commandments posted on school buildings and in school classrooms. And <clears throat> they had a morning prayer prior to 1962. And it was a very generic prayer. But in 1962, there was a case that went before the Supreme Court. And it was Engvel versus Vatel. And it held that the Establishment Clause prohibited the recitation of a school-sponsored prayer in public schools. Now, the Establishment Clause is part of the First Amendment. And I think it was, i, I don't quote me on this, but I think the Establishment Clause came in sometime in the 1940s. You see, during World War I, we had a lot of uh, communist activity that was brought over into the United States. And a lot of these communists were going into academia and they were going to Harvard and Yale and some of these big, you know, schools and they were teaching these communistic ideas to our graduating classes. And so these people went into, you know, Yale and Harvard. These are a bunch of our lawyers, right? So they're going into law and they started influencing things in the Supreme Court and so the Establishment Clause got put in and then um, because communists don't want churches they don't want God they don't want prayer they want everything to be taken out because they want socialism and communism to be their God so the Establishment Clause prohibits the government from establishing a religion The precise definition of establishment, it said on the the website. Now, this is a government website that I was looking at. It says that the precise definition of establishment is unclear. Historically, it meant prohibiting state-sponsored churches. Now, the First Amendment also has in there the Free Exercise Clause, which protects citizens' right to practice their religion as they please. So, I find it very ironic that the establishment clause and the free exercise clause are in the exact same amendment and yet we have kicked prayer and morality out of our schools. Now, the prayer that was being prayed had been agreed uh, upon by numerous denominations. There was um, evangelical, there was Catholic, there was uh, Jewish, so there was a whole group of, of religious leaders that came up with this national school prayer. And it was a very, very simple prayer. And I'm going to read it to you now. Because so, we have to understand that this is the horrendous thing that they had to pull out of our schools. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence on Thee and beg Thy blessings upon us, our teachers, and our country Amen. You really have to see this for what it is. Almost a 60-year period of time in our, our country's history where communism came in and it has worked. It has been at work since the early 1900s in this country to remove religion, to remove God from our country. And if we don't do something about this now, we are going to lose this country We're going to be every bit as communist as China and Russia. And there has never been a country that has lost their freedoms to communism or socialism and ever gained it back. So, I only gave you one stat in the beginning that David Barton came up with. But let me go through some of these other ones and explain and kind of bring this all back around. David Barton's team found that sexually transmitted diseases among high school students was low up to 1962. Then went on a dramatic incline from 1963 before leveling off around 1975. When it leveled off, it leveled off at four times a higher rate than the 10 years prior to 1963. Four times higher. All right, the next statistic is divorce rates. Prior to 1962, they were in a decline. Divorce was going down, but it was already low prior to 1962. And after 1962, divorce rates also accelerated at an alarming rate, causing a rise in single-parent homes by 60% and have remained high since the mid-1980s. The data shows over all the following categories a dramatic rise in immoral behavior that was seen immediately after biblical principles were removed from schools. All of the data had said that they were low and stable for many years prior to 1963. Unwed mothers, couples living together out of wedlock, teen pregnancy, divorce, violent crime, murder all went dramatically up Pri- prior to 1962 they had been low and stable 1963 and 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 forward high so let's look at the fruit because now that we know the root of the problem we need to know the fruit of the problem the SAT test that had been in our school since 1926 the exact same test was given from 1926 to 1963. That's not quite 40 years. Exact same test. These scores hovered around 950 for the years prior to 1962. So for almost 40 years, the, the scores hovered at 950. After 1962-1963 school year, these scores plummeted 18 consecutive years before leveling off around the late 1980s at around 880 that is a 70 point difference and it never recovered back up then in 2006 the scoring of the SAT changed more points were added and they also added a couple of different parts to the test Now, I want you to remember 2006 because that year is going to be important later. For six years after 2006, so up until 2012, the test remained the same. Then, they lowered the scoring back down in 2012. Because of the Supreme Court ruling in 1962, there was an increase in private Christian schools. There were around 1,000 private Christian schools in 1962. But by 1984, that 1,000 had ballooned up to 32,000. Private Christian school students, on average, had an 80-point higher SAT score than their public school counterparts prior to the 2006 change. Did you hear that? That's, That's the key right there. Because the private Christian schools never took prayer out of their schools. And they actually maintained that 950 to 960 average over time. Whereas the public schools that had taken prayer out of school saw a 70% drop that never recovered. Remember how I said that 2006 was going to be an important year? That that was the year, remember that was the year that they changed the SAT scoring and the way it was scored. Here's what happened. This data that I have told you, yes, it is older, um, and, and the da- but the data has gotten worse since then. But it was in the late 1990s when this data was given to the senators that was given to the Department of Education. And what happened was the Department of Education kicked it back to the senators and said, oh, no, this." they didn't even really look at it. They just kicked it back to them and said, Oh, this doesn't have anything to do with it. Because it was only a few, he they'd only given them a few data points. So the senators went back to David Barton and his team at Wall Builders and they said, <clears throat> Hey, the the Department of Education says this doesn't matter. So David Barton said, Okay, well, let's get some more statistics. Let's get some more data. And so they got some more data together and then they gave it back to the senators, they gave it back to the Department of Education. And now the Department of Education is looking at a lot of data and all of it is showing that prior to 1962, our SAT scores were good. Everything was low. And then after prayer was taken out of school, all of this stuff just starts climbing, 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 climbing. They didn't have an answer. They had to admit at that point that it was the prayer being taken out of school that had been the problem but instead of fixing the problem in 2006 because they had been pressured by the by the senators who had now they have knowledge of this data are putting pressure on the on the Department of Education so instead of fixing the problem and putting prayer back into school they said we're just going to change the SAT scores that made me so unbelievably angry because I remember in the 1990s Seeing the direction that we were going, and I was going to my my leaders of my church that I was at at the time that I had this the church I grew up in, I went to those leaders and I said, "We need to get prayer back in school. We need to do what we whatever we need to do to get prayer back in school." It was on my heart. It was my heart cry. But I was young, and I was ignorant of what I could and could not do, and. They said, basically what I was told by the leaders of the church was, well, as long as there's tests in schools, and they kind of laughed and patted me on the head and was like, oh, as long as there's tests in schools, there'll always be prayer. No, sir. No, there won't be. Because the Supreme Court in 1962 pulled prayer and religious principles out of our schools and public spaces, I believe this opened a wide door for satan to come in our schools and infect our children and the last three generations of americans jesus said in mark 9:42 whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea we must teach our children how to pray And also that they absolutely have the right to pray in schools. We have to teach them that God doesn't make mistakes. He made each person, each child, exactly as he wanted them. And yes, many of us have flaws, but God doesn't say that that excludes us. Our flaws, while they are imperfections to us, can be used by God in a perfect way to do perfect things for him if we will let him. Our children need to know and understand the importance and effectiveness of prayer over our lives and our country. They have to understand and be taught that not one prayer, not one word of our prayers are void. Our prayers have power because our words have power and we must teach these things to our children. We must teach them by example as well. This country is now on our watch. We are the current guardians of the next generation and we have to stand up for the protection of our children. We need to be praying over our schools. We need to go into our schools and we need to talk to the teachers. We need to get to know them. We need to get on school boards. We need to do better than what we have been doing in the past. After this sermon, I went out and prayed for all of the area schools and I was going every single night at seven o'clock and I would po- post it on Facebook. I actually had my posts banned in the city civic page that's near me, uh, the Facebook page. They banned it and said that I was trying to post uh, religious services on a civic on a civic page on on a city page and <clears throat> I so I found some Facebook pages that I could post it in, but not one parent. Not one person came to pray with me. I had to go get people and say, hey, will you go pray with me at this school tonight? We've got to do better than what we're doing. We have to. This is this is our future. These are our children. We can't abandon them. If the church doesn't take a stand, we're going to lose our country. We're going to lose the next generation. Because of the gender confusion that has been going on For the last 20 years, very soon the church is going to start to see hurting trans adults and teens coming through the door. We're going to have to find a way to meet them and to love them exactly where they are, but at the same time giving them truth that God made them and created them exactly the way that they were supposed to be, that they're not in the wrong body. We're going to have to teach them that God doesn't make mistakes. And at this time, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Lord, please prepare us. Help us to lead with your heart when speaking to a confused, mentally ill generation. Help us to mentor to them. Help us to love them. Help us to point the way back to you so that they can find eternal life with you in your family. As we are in your family. I thank you Lord God for this message. I thank you Lord God for every person who is listening. And I pray Lord God. That this will galvanize people. To move forward. In your name. To do your work. For your children. And your church. Father as I close this out. I ask that you bless all our days. With your grace, guidance and provision. Keep us safe. Watch over us, Lord, we pray. We pray your sustaining presence will go with us and walk with us throughout our week and bring us safely back to your house again. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for all the tithes and offerings that are received throughout the week. Bless the ministries that we are sowing into with the tithes and offerings and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. We pray that you would bless them.